Now, the making of a good compilation tape is a very subtle art. Are you ready? Yes. No, babe, are you ready? Do you know what a cassette is? Play it. Don't you want to hear what's next? I don't hear any music. I made that tape special for today. So, music? A show where we basically create a mixtape for you, like we did in the 90s. I just, I thought this tape was going to be a conversation stimulator. Cassette, cassette, cassette. Welcome to the mixtape. Every week we are serving up an hour-long mixtape. 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 90.3 KRNU, it's time for a new mixtape. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Casey. This week, the mixtape is going to get a little dark as we talk about industrial metal. Industrial has its roots in punk, metal, experimental, electronic, and it is my absolute jam. And we are going to start with an iconic record label that did so much for industrial called Wax Tracks Records. Give you a brief overview. Wax Tracks started as a record store in Denver. They carried hard-to-find music like imports, glam, anything but mainstream stuff. When the Ramones played Denver, it inspired the store to have punk nights. And shortly after, they opened the now infamous Wax Tracks in Chicago. Still very connected to punk and live music. In 1981, they released their first record, and they were off to the races. They became the defining label for experimental and industrial rock. Perhaps the most famous and iconic industrial wax tracks band was Ministry. So that's where we're going to start our mixtape this week. Ministry formed in Chicago, led by Al Jorgensen, started on wax tracks, as I mentioned. So the beginning of Ministry was like kind of funky and a little new wavy. The bass on Cold Life is like shaft level funk. But Ministry got much, much darker in the mid-80s. Their fifth album, Psalm 69, brought more mainstream success. They get some MTV play. I think they're on Beavis and Butthead with this. Ministry is incredibly important to industrial metal. They have been nominated for a couple of Grammys, and they were at the second Lollapalooza in 1992, which is pretty insane. Ministry is dark. They are fast. They are political. And despite a bunch of infighting and drug addiction and all kinds of things that kind of have gone along with having a really long career, they are very much still doing their thing. They just put out an album called Moral Hygiene. So here is Ministry, Jesus, Built My Hot Rod. It's the mixtape on 90.3 KRNU.
Jesus built my car. It's a love affair. Mainly Jesus and my hot rod. KRNU, welcome back to the mixtape. That was Kidney Thieves. They are an industrial rock band formed in the late 90s, like 1998. And they are fantastic. I love Kidney Thieves so much. Lead singer there is Free Dominguez. And uh, Bruce Summers does the guitar. So it's really just the two of them, unless they're doing a a tour. And then they'll have more people. Uh, They put out their first album in 1998. It's called Trickster. It's incredibly good. And then they released Zero Space in 2002. Notably, they were on the Queen of the Damned soundtrack, which was like a kind of Anne Rice vampire movie starring Aaliyah before she tragically passed away. A really interesting movie. Excellent movie soundtrack. But I I don't know. I love Kidney Thieves. I saw them live at the old Ranch Bowl and they were just so cool and they wanted to talk to everybody and they were sitting out in the sun in perfect industrial band way, all leather, just like melting in the July Nebraskaness of it all, sitting at a picnic table outside of a bowling alley, uh, getting ready to play a show. So I will forever love those guys for being so cool to a young industrial metal fan. The headliner at that show actually was another fantastic industrial band, and we're going to play them next. That is KMFDM. 
So we talked about Wax Tracks just a second ago, and Wax Tracks Records was home to a bunch of really great industrial music at one point. Meat Beat Manifesto, the KLF, My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult, and KMFDM was also on Wax Tracks. KMFDM was formed in 1984. They're incredibly German. Like, I don't know how you can be extra German, but I feel like KMFDM is definitely extra German. They pioneered this crossover between techno and metal, and it's such a pure presentation of industrial. If you want to, like, really pin industrial down to a band, KMFDM is the way to go. They're a Wax Tracks artist, as I mentioned. Can't talk about KMFDM, though, without dispelling the rumor about their name. So, it was long believed by many misguided souls that KMFDM actually stood for Kill Mother Depeche Mode. Alas, that is not true. First, because Depeche Mode is great, and who would want to kill them? Nobody. And second, because it actually stands for a German phrase that loosely means no pity for the majority. And if you've listened to KMFDM even a little bit, you would get that they are very anti-authority. Frankly, a lot of industrial metal has those threads in it, the threads of the outsider, the person that hasn't been accepted. So no surprise there. KMFDM still releases music. They have re-released their entire back catalog from the Wax Tracks Records era, which is fantastic. They are the self-proclaimed fathers of industrial, and I am inclined to agree. Here's Juke Joint Jezebel. It's the industrial mixtape on 90.3 KRNU.
90.3 KRNU, the industrial mixtape. And you know what? It feels good. I like it. It's a big release. It's like shout therapy, only like way more badass than Tears for Fears. No offense, guys. So this mixtape, we are exploring all of these amazing industrial bands, many of them off of Wax Tracks Records out of Chicago. Not all, though. That last band was Stabbing Westward. They are an American industrial band. They were formed in the 80s. They were from Illinois, never on Wax Tracks, though. They actually got signed to a major label, which was um, Sony. So Stabbing Westward is kind of cool. They are part of this late 90s darkening of metal, you know, about the same time that Nine Inch Nails and those kinds of bands were becoming really, really popular. There became space in popular music, and I'm kind of using air quotes there, for bands like Stabbing Westward. They were a little more melodic and a little less screamy than your than your ministries. <laughs> so Stabbing Westward had uh, a couple of big hits. That song there, Shame, is from Wither Blister Burn and Peel, came out in 1996. That album also features What Do I Have to Do, which was a pretty big hit for them. Then in 98, they put out Darkest Days, had a couple more hits off of that, including Save Yourself, which is just, even now, it's a total banger. It's on every playlist I ever make. And not everyone appreciates it, but you know what? Sometimes you just got to go with it. Stabbing Westward, they're one of those bands that you can just like release it. Christopher Hall formed the band with Walter, who I think is the guitar player when they were in college. They went to Western Illinois and Wikipedia says they allegedly named the band from a 1950s speech regarding political fears of communism as Stabbing Westward. And I don't know if that's where they got it, but it's a pretty great band name. They're from a very rural part of Illinois, and they were just the goth kids. And I kind of love that because as a kid from central Nebraska, who was very much a goth kid for a good portion of my teenage years, like I find kindred spirits in Stabbing Westward. They did reunite a couple years ago and uh, did some shows, and they came out with an album called Dead and Gone in 2020. So that's Stabbing Westward for you. Fun. I have never gotten to see Stabbing Westward live. I would love to. I think they're so great. But I have seen one of their contemporaries. It was the first industrial band I ever got to see live, and it changed my entire perspective on music. It was at Rockfest in 1998. Headliners were Foo Fighters and Creed, but on the bill, a little earlier in the day, was a band called Gravity Kills. Gravity Kills is from St. Louis. They do industrial, but sort of that catchy, playable, commercial, industrial, kind of like Stabbing Westward does. They actually formed in response to a radio contest. The radio station wanted to make a local compilation CD, was kind of telling bands, okay, write a song, we'll see if we put it on there. And Gravity Kills wrote Guilty which went on to be a top 10 hit on the rock charts. They were signed to TVT. TVT was a huge rock label in the 90s, uh, the likes of Seven Dust and those kinds of things on there. That label, TVT, went on to buy out Wax Tracks. So many of those Wax Tracks artists ended up putting out records on TVT. The thing I'll always remember about Gravity Kills is seeing them at that rock fest. Doug, their keyboard player, he had his keyboard on this ball pivot so it moves around with his body. Seriously, YouTube it. It's amazing. Gravity Kills haven't put anything out formally since 2002 with their album Super Starved, which has a really great cover of Personal Jesus by Depeche Mode on it. There's been a lot of fanfare about them getting back together and not getting back together. They've played a couple of shows, but they are considered to be in hiatus at this point. So let's take it back to that early Gravity Kills, that first song that got them the record deal in the first place. This is Guilty. It's Gravity Kills on the industrial mixtape on 90.3 KRNU.
anything that's real. Binge, cringe. The police used to watch over the people. Now they're watching the people. Now it's the only thing that's real.
90.3 KRNU. Welcome to the mixtape. This is the industrial mixtape. If you've listened to a couple songs, you probably got that already. Now, industrial metal or industrial rock is sort of a different take on rock music. It is largely synth-based, heavy distorted guitars, but the idea is that industrial sort of refers to these sounds, these kind of cold, almost factory-esque sounds. I always refer to industrial metal as sounding like a factory came to life, like a very angry factory came to life. And that's what they're kind of going for. So we have all of these great industrial bands. Wax Tracks Records was hugely important to industrial metal out of Chicago. You just heard The Prodigy. The Prodigy is more of an electronic band or an electro-punk band, but I wanted to play them in industrial because in the 90s, this is sort of where industrial went. Some of the bands went more industrial metal, industrial rock, and some of the bands went more electronic, but there were definitely these darker tones. So it's not so cut and dry as to say one thing is industrial and another thing isn't. The Prodigy definitely has roots in both the rave and electronic scene in the 80s in Great Britain, thinking about Hacienda Club and all of those kinds of things, those those new wave bands. But it's also highly inspired by things like Ministry and the KMFDM and early Nine Inch Nails. The Prodigy is from Essex. There's really two people. There's an MC named Maxim, and then there's a vocalist named Keith Flint, uh, who unfortunately died in 2019. The Prodigy is a great band. They had some incredible, huge hits from their 1997 release, The Fat of the Land. That was Firestarter. Moving on with our industrial metal playlist today into the America's Most Wanted camp of Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson is a both beloved and often vilified figure in American music. His name, of course, is not Marilyn Manson. It's Brian Warner. He grew up in Canton, Ohio, attended some parochial schools. uh, Then they moved to Florida in the early, late 80s, early 90s, and started going to college. And he ended up interviewing quite a few bands that were trying to get their start at the time. I think he was pursuing a degree in journalism, actually. He's a very intelligent dude, if you've ever seen any interviews with him. Love him or hate him. I mean, he's able to articulate his ideas in a very interesting way. So he was able to interview some members of My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult, which is very much an industrial band. And he was also able to interview Trent Reznor, who was not a big deal at the time, but would, of course, become a big deal. So Brian then formed a band with a dude named Scott, and they formed this band called Marilyn Manson and the Spooky Kids. Scott would then become Daisy Berkowitz. Brian would become Marilyn Manson. And the idea here is that they wanted to take the name of somebody who is loved in American pop culture and hated in American pop culture. Typically, that is a serial killer and a bombshell sex icon. So Marilyn of Marilyn Monroe, Manson of Charles Manson, Daisy of Daisy Duke, and Berkowitz of David Berkowitz, the son of Sam. They were pretty much out to freak you out from day one. Their first album, Portrait of an American Family, came out in 1994. Then they had Antichrist Superstar, which was the big one with the beautiful people and those kinds of hits on it in 1996. Mechanical Animals in 98. And then they put out a bunch more. Marilyn Manson, as a person, has had a great deal of societal blowback recently with allegations of kind of torment and abuse from former girlfriends. He is someone who, while he has always been controversial, there are some recent things coming out about him that are more troubling than just kind of performative troubling, which is what he is always specialized in. So we'll have to see where that goes with Marilyn Manson. But he is an important person and this band is an important band to include in an episode about industrial metal because they pushed it into the mainstream in a way that other bands just did not. So let's do The Beautiful People. It's the mixtape on 90.3 KRNU.
90.3 KRNU Godhead. That was from their album, 2000 Years of Human Error. The song was called The Reckoning. Pretty dope. Godhead was formed in 1994 in Washington, D.C., which is really interesting. You can kind of hear the influence of Washington, D.C. hardcore on Godhead. They sound a little bit different than some of the other industrial metal bands that came out about the same time. Gravity Kills, Stabbing Westward. Uh, even Marilyn Manson. So just a little bit different than those guys. I saw Godhead when I was a college student at the Royal Grove and they were very excellent and did an interview with me and, and it was a good time. The lead singer of Godhead, Jason C. Miller, is now a country music recording artist. He, If you look up pictures of him, he gives you a real uh, Brett Michaels vibe. <laughs> Well, we can't do an episode of the mixtape, especially if we're talking about industrial music without talking about Nine Inch Nails. So it's finally time to talk about Nine Inch Nails. We began this mixtape with wax tracks artists like Ministry and KMFDM, and we're wrapping it up with Nine Inch Nails because they just sort of became the poster child for industrial in a more contemporary way. And Trent Reznor is still just doing incredible things with soundtrack work. He's really creating soundscapes now. And in the 90s, he was just really a place to channel our rage. But he's worked on tons of amazing films, particularly David Fincher films, like The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Gone Girl, things like that. Spin Magazine called him the most vital artist in music, which... The first time I heard March of the Pigs, I could have told you he was going to be important, but I did not know he was going to go on to work with somebody like Atticus Ross and be on a bunch of Pixar soundtracks. So, you know, my predictions about Trent Reznor were probably pretty limited. He definitely has destroyed all notions of just being an industrial metal artist. However, the Nine Inch Nails discography is very decidedly industrial. Trent worked his way up from janitor at a Cleveland recording studio to studio engineer. He was influenced by Skinny Puppy, which we played earlier. Ministry started recording all of his own stuff in the late 80s, 1988, and he played all the instruments himself. He initially signed with TVT, which again, bought out Wax Tracks Records, so it was kind of the go-to American label for industrial artists. And they put out Pretty Hate Machine, which is still my favorite Nine Inch Nails album because it's so raw. And the later Nine Inch Nails work is gorgeous, but it it's more more arranged and more like an industrial symphony. The early stuff is just such a pure 
expression of what industrial is to me. So uh, Trent went on to sign with Interscope Records and he got his own imprint called Nothing. And he moved to L.A., and recorded the downward spiral in the Tate LaBianca murder house, the Manson family, famous Manson family murder house. Trent was really going through it, man. Then, <laughs> as if that wasn't creepy enough, he built a studio in New Orleans that had once been a funeral home. <laughs> Great. And he signed the likes of Marilyn Manson to Nothing Records. He had a real troubling time in the 90s, and we had to wait five years for the album The Fragile. It debuted at number one when it came out, and that was just in 99. Since then, they've had, with teeth, um, several Ghosts album, Ghosts 1 through 4. Ghosts 5 and 6 just came out in 2020. So Nine Inch Nails are far from over, and Trent Reznor is a pretty busy dude. So let's finish this industrial mixtape with my favorite Nine Inch Nails song. This is March of the Pigs. It's the mixtape on 90.3 KRNU. KRNU, this is Casey, and this was the mixtape Industrial Metal this time. So if you're ever just in like an industrial mood and you want to go from industrial music from the Wax Tracks era up through TVT, you can always put this back on. You can find us on Spotify at the mixtape KRNU. You can find us on Twitter at the mixtape KRNU. Listen to us at krnu.unl.edu on our online stream, or if you happen to be in gorgeous Lincoln, Nebraska, you can find us on 90.3 KRNU, 6 p.m. Sunday nights. We'll have a new mixtape for you next week. Until then, thanks for checking us out. This is radio,